Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hello and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast. And we want to thank our our very, very special partners, Legal Talk Network. This is Rocky Deer, your host. If you hear that noise in the background, it's because there's some exciting stuff going on. Now, there's two exciting things going on. First is, I'm here at the 2018 State Bar of Texas annual meeting. This is day two, and the excitement has not stopped. Things are still humming and going. The second reason I'm really excited is I get to sit across from a legal celebrity. <laughs> oh, he's chuckling. Look at this. Th- that's what celebrities do. And you tell them they're celebrities and they chuckle, but that's, that's a sure sign. Like if somebody told me I'm a celebrity, I'd be like, well, yeah, you're right. And this guy, I tell him he's a celebrity and he chuckles. That tells you he's an actual celebrity. It's none other than Frank Stevenson. And you guys will remember him in a couple of ways. Number one is he was our state bar president from 2016 to 2017. And you got to see some great presidential columns from him that year. Frank, welcome. Wonderful to be here, Rocky. Thanks for inviting me. No, thank you. Thank you. Are you breathing a huge sigh of relief now that you're not president, <laughs> or are you missing all the trappings of office? <clears throat> no, not yet. Uh, I'm very grateful for the chance to have served in this capacity and really enjoyed my year as president. But I think just about anybody that has this job will tell you that when your time draws to a close, you're actually kind of relieved to have that happening. Uh, I know Tom Vick. I don't think this is a secret. He has a, an app on his phone that counts down the minutes and seconds to when his successor is inaugurated, which we like joking about. But and That's uh, happening later today, actually, yeah, right? Yeah, it so. happens today. And uh, so today I cease to become the immediate past president. Joe Longley becomes our president. Tom takes my place as immediate past. I've been grateful for this opportunity, and I'm, I'm eager to come back and become a full-time lawyer. So you're going to be back in the courtroom. I will be back doing my work and serving my clients, and hopefully some of them will still remember my name after uh, my having dropped off the earth for the last three years. But I'm looking forward to getting back and working with my colleagues at Lock Lord and getting back to serving my clients. But you're not a courtroom lawyer. No, in fact, I'm not. I am, uh, I think, probably the only purely transactional lawyer who has ever been president of the State Bar of Texas. There have been lawyers in the past back before there was a lot of specialization who did both litigation and transactional work. But I'm a purely transactional lawyer, and uh, we are somewhat of an anomaly uh, in organized bar politics. So let's talk for a second about your vantage point, being a being a Texas lawyer and that too, having led us for that year and, and now getting to say, hey, I got to lead them, being immediate past president, which I understand is the best job in the house. It truly is. Yeah, that's what I hear. Now, first of all, is there a way to ever run for immediate past president and not have to serve? Does that? <laughs> That's a lot like a lot like my friends who say, "Gosh, if there's only way you could skip having children, go right to grandchildren." I tried. I tried it to invent work. it. No. no, I tried to invent an app for it and <laughs> failed miserably. Yeah. So, but from your vantage point, let's first talk about what we're doing right. The state bar of Texas, the Texas legal community as a whole. What do you think is just? makes us special? I think that's a terrific question, Rocky. And one of the things that's unfortunate is there's only a small number of us that lead this bar. Right. We're the ones that go out and go to these conferences with other bar leaders. And when you're at those conferences, what becomes very, very evident is that all across this country, it's the State Bar of Texas that is really viewed as the leader among all state bars. Voluntary bars, 
unified bars like ours, specialty bars, we are we are universally recognized as the leader. You the go to leader. The, so it's, it's not even like top three or no, top no, no, five. No. We're, the, we're, we're the best. What, what I, is it that does that? Well, what is it we do? I think we've had an enormously capable staff, a committed staff. I think we have a large and vibrant bar. We're obviously growing. We haven't raised our dues in 27 years, which means when we welcome in new lawyers at the big swearing in down, at, uh, down in Austin, most of those people weren't alive the last time we raised dues. So it's That's just, pretty crazy. I never thought of it that way. No, it, That's actually it's true. Very, wow. It's very, very true. You can't talk to any of them about the last time we raised dues because they weren't on the earth then. So it really has something to say about, about how well run we are. I think the number was, I think we have three times as many lawyers as, at, there's a certain date where you go back, we have three times as many lawyers and we have 3% fewer staff. So we've actually added all these additional lawyers and we've actually contracted our staff. We just really are blessed with a terrific staff, a very dedicated, very capable people who really are trying to advance the profession in Texas. I was at a meeting where one of the rising ABA officers was asked a question, um, how does my bar association, this person from another state, how does my bar association do something to help our, our veterans, their legal needs? And she said simply, look to Texas. And, and that look to Texas is, it's a, it's a light motif at all these. Three words, look to Texas. Look to Texas. And they always want to know what we're doing. And I, I don't mean to be critical of other bars, but oftentimes other state bar executives will come up and they'll talk about their new program. And it's something we've been doing for 20 years. Texas lawyers need to understand how blessed we are having the state bar that we have. Well, and, you know, I, I got to give a shout out to the staff because I've had a chance over the years to work with the State Bar of Texas staff. And I, I can't think of a more dedicated group of individuals. They're phenomenal. And yeah, so, Rocky, you've nailed it. That's yeah. a, absolutely right. Presidents come and go. Um, we may have our initiatives. We may make our contribution, but then we vanish from the scene. What really defines a state bar is the staff. They're the people that make it great. And ours has made ours great. It's made it the greatest in the country. It, it truly, so, it yeah, truly no, has. This is, this is phenomenal. Now, you talked about how we're usually leading some initiatives, but I know during your year, we actually borrowed, I think it was from the city of Chicago Bar Association. We did. And one of your leading initiatives was, and let me make sure I get this right, it's the Texas Opportunity to Justice Initiative. Incubator. Incubator. You were just on oh, the... It's like three out of four. Yeah, no, you did very well. But there's an easier way to remember it. It goes by TOGI. TOGI. I came up with that acronym. I wanted that name because it really sums up what the program is all about. It sounds like a video game character, it actually. Really, it really it's, does. You know, it's like, it, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to play Super Mario and I'm going to be TOGI. Yeah. Walk into the Target and ask, do you have any TOGI costumes here? And they say, sure, aisle three. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, but that's, TOGI. I'm going to go as TOGI for Halloween. Yeah, I, I really am. I think I'm going to, too. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we didn't so much borrow. We poached. We stole. It was the Justice Entrepreneur Project, which is sponsored by the Chicago Bar Foundation. And we went up and toured the JEP in February in the middle of a blizzard. And six of our flights were canceled, but it was still a terrific... Not that you're bitter. Not that you remember. No, no, no. Yeah. This stuff is all in the past, Rocky. I don't, <laughs> I don't recall any of that stuff ever. But we went up there and we saw what was happening there and we saw lives being changed. We happened to be there on a day when two of their alums came back and talked about the practices they built with the skills that they had learned in that incubator. Now, now let's talk about what it is, though. What, what do you mean well, by an good, incubator? Yeah. Well, the premise behind a legal incubator is that you provide your young lawyers with opportunity and you provide your citizens with justice. That we focus a lot on how only one out of five poor American ever finds the civil legal help that he needs. Sure. What people don't realize is 
For middle-income Americans, the number's not that much better. It's two out of five. It's still pretty abysmal. It's incremental, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what an incubator does is it trains lawyers to be able to serve that need. And at the same time, it trains them to do it and be able to provide for their families and the people that they love. You can build a sustainable, successful practice if you are equipped and trained to do it. And that's what incubators do. Now, Toji's been been alive in Texas for what, I guess two years now, year and a half? Yeah, it was first announced two years ago. It's been up and operating for about 16 months. Is it too early now to see how successful it's been, or do we have an idea? I don't idea? think so. I, was, I had the honor to serve on a, a panel yesterday with two of our current, they're what are called cohorts. They're three groups of 10 that start six months staggered terms. And uh, they started talking about what they've learned and the clients that they're already serving. They get into an incubator and you give them these skills and, and you teach them how to do the business aspect of a practice and how you can automate your practice to be able to save time and money, uh, how to have a virtual practice, and they start serving clients right away. And they're all in there together, Rocky, so they're all learning from each other in addition to learning from the veteran lawyers that come in and will teach them skills. So they start representing people and when I was up in Chicago and judging from the two that I was on the panel with yesterday, you end up with a world by the tail. You really end up being able to build a successful practice where you're helping these people and you're helping yourself. Now, first of all, you said you were on a panel with two other, I guess they're Toji alums or? Our program is an 18-month program. Okay. And so every six months, a new group called a cohort of 10 will start within the program. And then they, they all follow each other. We just brought on in March our third cohort. So now, just for a matter of months, we are at capacity. We have roughly 30 people in our cohort. What is remarkable, and again, this gets back to look to Texas, what's remarkable is we announced that we were going to do this two years ago. And within two years, we now have the largest legal incubator in the United States out of 75 incubators. Wow. We built the largest one in two years. Wow. Most take over three years just to start. We now have ours fully complemented. It's now at capacity and it's working. It's working. Have you graduated a cohort yet? I guess if it's only 16 months, you're two months shy of your first cohort that, graduating. I, I did math in my head. That Frank. was this very, is... very impressive. I did see you sort of counting your fingers, though. Well, I, I did, and I'll probably need an aspirin after this, <laughs> but that's that's okay. That doesn't really concern anybody. I, I was still that's impressed. Fine. Oh, well, good. I was still impressed. Um, we are we're close to having the first cohort uh, graduate. You're absolutely right. And what's remarkable is the legal access division that's run by the State Bar of Texas and and coordinates with our Texas Supreme Court in putting a value on people's pro bono and modest means hours. Right. If you use the formula that they use, which I think is $100 for an hour of of modest means service, that's sort of the the dividend, the benefit. The group that's in there every year provides a $1.1 million access to justice dividend between the pro bono hours that they're required to contribute and the modest means hours that they choose to contribute. So every single year that Toji operates, $1.1 million access to justice dividend. But what we're doing, Rocky, of course, is we're training these people for a whole career full of modest means service. And so if you use very conservative assumptions about how many of them are going to actually go into that practice, which is probably about 55% long term, how long they're going to practice, 25 years, very conservative estimation. Mm -hmm you figure out that the overall access to justice dividend from Toji every year is $9.5 million. $9.5 million closing the justice gap. Now, that's that's money that's going back into the community, right? That's money. That's the value of serving people who otherwise would either 
will would almost certainly just not have their legal needs met at all. So that's the pro bono hours these people will contribute and the modest means hours that they'll contribute, serving Americans who otherwise simply had no access to justice. Now let's talk about it from the, from the flip side, from okay. the attorney side. So they come out of Toji mm -hmm. and they've been in this incubator program and then they go out and start their practices. Correct. Do we have any metrics on their ability to make a living doing this? Yes, yes we do. The JEP, uh, the Justice Entrepreneur mm -hmm. Project up in Chicago, sure. is essentially the same incubator that we have in Texas. So its experience, it can be very reliably applied to what's gonna happen to our incubator in Texas. Their numbers indicate that about 55% of these people stay in solo or very small, modest means focused practices. And that they make that a career decision and that they're successful at it. We happen to be there on a day when two of their alums came back and explained their practices. Sure. And they talked about what they did in order to make the finances work and how, what sort of success they were achieving. Do you remember anything about what they did? Yes. These people have to be very entrepreneurial and very creative and very technologically savvy. One woman came back and said, you know, everyone, when they talk about landlord, tenant, modest means, everyone thinks tenants. But the truth is there are a lot of mom and pop landlords that when there's a default, they go to legal aid to try to get help and the tenant's already been there. So they don't, they don't have anywhere they to turn. They it out. Yeah. Okay. So what this person does is she does a landlord tenant practice focusing on modest means landlords and she's, she's knocking the lights that's out. That's kind of counterintuitive, but I see where she, it, that makes sense now that you say it. Exactly, Rocky. And that's, that's what you need that's to do. That's what entrepreneurship is. Like, yeah. why did I think of that? Yeah, right? exactly. But it's people who have this kind of drive and this kind of uh, intellect and this creativity and they're given these tools so that all their costs are cut to the bone and it, they're highly automated practices. Another guy does nothing but fair debt collection practice work and he has this very creative way of developing business and he's flooded with clients and uh, and they're able to pay him and they're able to pay him and they're not able to pay at the rates of you know the tall building lawyers but you know what his practice is set up so they don't have to He's able to meet their needs, he's able to provide for his family, and he's able to do it because he uses technology and automation and cut costs to the bone, and he's, he's knocking the lights out. Now, let's, let's talk about kind of a little, I guess, juxtaposition or an irony that is kind of coming out of this. You just use the word tall building lawyers. You are a tall building <laughs> lawyer, right? Yes, so, I am. As a tall building lawyer, you know, you were spearheading this TOGI initiative how did you manage to kind of bridge that gap? Because have you ever been in a small firm or a small practice? No. How did you kind of get it to where you could identify with what these folks were going through? It actually was very easy. The talk in every, every bar association everywhere is about competition from non-lawyers. Right. And our reaction to that has typically been to man the battlements, right? And right. Try, to, try to fight with them. And some bars have done that and it typically isn't very successful. The better approach, and in fact, the, more, the infinitely more obvious approach, is to beat them at their own game. Hmm. My point is, the fact that Avo or Rocket Lawyer or any of these other people are coming in and taking legal work, they're not doing anything wrong. What they're doing is they're holding up a mirror to the profession and showing what we're doing wrong. We're not meeting that need. And it's very distressing to me that we have non-lawyers who don't have our training, who don't have the same code of ethics, and they're coming in and they're dispensing advice uh, and they're doing it in a, in a way that I think is ultimately very damaging to the public. 
But to me, what we need to do is go to school on what they do and beat them at it. And things like legal incubators are equipping lawyers to be able to meet that need. And I, what I wanted to do is, when we started Toji, the number was that 40%, and this is in 2014, the number's a little bit better now, 40% of law school graduates, 10 months after they graduated, had jobs that didn't even require a law degree. Sure. Yeah. 40%. Right. And it's, it's better now, but not that much not, better. It's, it's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. Exactly. What I wanted to do is I wanted to equip that group so that they could serve their fellow citizens and also support their families. So is this a viable model now for young lawyers coming out of law school, looking to see what they can do, can't find a job or can't find the job they want? Right. Is this a good avenue for them? It is. And one of the beautiful things about it is it's, it's so protean. A word, word like incubator picks up so many things. Baylor has something called Legal Mapmaker. It's an incubator. It's an intensive, intensive course that they will take all around the state and allow people from every law school to participate in. Again, lawyers get trained on a much briefer period, but they get trained on how to run an efficient, successful... Financial management exactly. and all those things that we never learn about in law school. Exactly. And just, just commonsensical things like you're setting up a practice. The last thing in the world you want to do is rent space. You don't need to do that to get to this stage in your practice. And then at Work this from stage, home. you do it. Yeah, That's right. Exactly. So Legal Map Maker is one. Texas A&M Law School in Fort Worth has the Texas Apprenticeship Network. It's very successful. Relatively small program between graduation and when you get your bar results. But we met yesterday. There was a, after the panel discussion, there was a group, a roundtable. And we want to take incubators all across the state. There's no reason this can't be replicated. And they don't have to look just like Toji. They don't have to be 18-month brick-and-mortar incubators. They could be like Mapmaker. They could be like Apprenticeship Network. They could be like any of a number of other forms. But this is how we're going to change the dynamic. This is how we're going to try to close the justice gap, particularly with modest means Americans. And it's also the way in which we're going to try to provide opportunity. Opportunity needed by our lawyers, justice needed by our citizens. We meet them in Toji. What's next for you? So today you are in, what, another four hours or so after we do this taping, you are not going to be the immediate past president. And so I guess that at that point you were officially off the leadership roster of the state bar, right? Correct. Yeah, stop crying, Frank. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm keeping it hidden, aren't I? Yes, you are. And you're keeping it real, which is good. <laughs> We're doing both. So what's next for you at that point? Because it, you seem very passionate about Toji and, and the idea of trying to find entrepreneurial ways you know, around the access to justice and the legal employment problem. So is that gonna be your focus? Are you gonna take a break? What's, what's Frank Stevenson gonna look like over the next year? Well, I was honored, I was appointed to uh, the ABA Standing Committee on the Delivery of Legal Services, which is their committee that addresses innovative delivery of legal services, incubators being sure. one thing was appointed to that by the president of the ABA, and I'm honored to be serving on that. I was appointed to the Texas Bar Foundation. It does terrific work. I'm honored to be involved in that. And I was picked as the vice president, and in two years will be the president of the Western States Bar Conference, oh, which wow. is okay. the 15 states, Texas and states west. And so I'll be the only the second Texan to be president of that uh, in two years. So you're going to stay busy. You're not, you're, yes. not, you're not giving up anytime I'm soon. I'm not, no, I'm giving me back. No not, riding off into the sunset. No, not, Do you not, even know how to ride a horse? Have you ever uh, ridden into a sunset? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't recall ever riding into a, a sunset. I, uh, I do remember uh, holding onto a saddle horn with an enormous uh, 
trepidation. Yeah. Yeah. The sweaty palms. Yeah. And trying not exactly. to fall that off. Was, that, that was, I was that guy. That yeah. was you. Yeah. That was you. That was okay. That. I was that guy. Yeah. You're the stunt double on the yeah, Westerns. I really, yes. I really am. The, <laughs> the one that falls off. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's, that's why you became a lawyer, right? Yeah, I couldn't make it that. as a stunt double. The rodeo thing was just not working. No, for no. Me. I tried being a rodeo clown once, but even that, they said, your face is just too funny. Yeah. So I I had to give that up, too. Well, you know, Frank, it is is fascinating, and I always enjoy our talks together. Well, it's always terrific to see you, and thank you for doing this. I think there's an awful lot of misinformation being spread about our bar. I mean, I hate to be that blunt, but it's simply true, and it's just just false. And if people want to know about the bar, then they ought to reach out to officers or past officers and find out what, what the real story is. Uh, because our state bar of Texas is, when you're in the middle of something, you really have the, the worst view. Sure. When you go outside of our state and you see how we're viewed by others, literally everybody else, then you come to understand what a precious thing we have in we're the state bar of Texas. We're the standard across the country, it sounds We really like. are. Let's say somebody wants to reach out to you either to find out more about the bar, they want to get involved in leadership, or they want to find out about incubator projects. Either if somebody wants to start an incubator or they want to, they want to maybe be in one of the cohorts. How do they reach out to you? What's the best way? I'm at Locklord in Dallas, 214-740-8469. Just call me, email me. The job that I have now for the State Bar is to find my successor. And it may be the successor three years from now. It may be the successor 30 years from now. But that's my job now. And so if anybody is interested in pursuing opportunities with the State Bar, they want to be a part of an incubator, they want to do any of these things, all they have to do is give me a whistle. And getting involved will help their careers and will help their personal lives and everything. When I think back on the aspects of my practice that have provided me with the most satisfaction, they all involve bar work. Wow. Well, I hope you, dear listener, have enjoyed this because you've gotten to hear from somebody who has just, he's not only been a leader of our bar, he's been... He's been a leader for those of us that know him personally. Frank, you're, you're awesome. So You're very gracious, Rock. Thank you for being here. And I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Frank, hearing his story. And if you or anybody else you know might be interested in learning more about Toji and other opportunities like that or getting involved in the bar, reach out to Frank. Please. And certainly, if you would, please find us and rate us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on your favorite podcast app. I want to thank you for helping to make this such a special edition of the State Bar of Texas podcast. And I want to thank our friends at Legal Talk Network for all that they do behind the scenes. Guys, you know, our state bar is going places, and we want to thank you for being along with us for the ride. Because after all, life is a journey, folks. So thank you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to texasbar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.